Great. Well, welcome to the security seminar this evening. It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Our speaker is Ryan Goldsberry from Deloitte Consulting, and he has been um, a specialist in their transportation strategy and operations group is his current role. He's been on campus a couple times working with Purdue University groups and outside groups on autonomous vehicle uh, security and control, things like that. So he's got a, a pretty diverse background in terms of what I can talk about. He's worked in uh, transportation, telecommunications, energy, and financial systems, and uh, he's all about disruptive changes. So without any further ado, I'll turn it over to Ryan. Excellent. Okay, hopefully I'm mic'd up. Okay, so this won't be the most technical of presentations you'll see, but I want to talk to you a little bit about um, security as we're dealing with it and the interaction with people. Um, one of the things that, that I started off with very early in my life and my career is uh, my mother's actually a, um, a rocket scientist. She worked with NASA on man-machine interfaces. Um, and so I tend to spend a lot of time um, more thinking through how technology interacts with people. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in my own career uh, doing that in the automotive industry. Um, as she did in the space industry, and as I approach cybersecurity, I, I tend to approach it from the, um, the interaction with culture and people, and so I'll speak a little bit about, about that. A little bit about my background. <clears throat> like he said, I am a specialist um, focused on transportation sector. My, my background's been primarily automotive um, and in airlines. I started as an engineer, as all good boys from Detroit do. Um, went straight into the automotive industry in, in, um, out of Cornell. Um, did my master's in manufacturing systems uh, right out of school. Um, I, felt I was pretty intimidated by the guys I started working with until I realized uh, that my technology background far exceeded theirs. And by that I meant I knew how to use a calculator and they had learned on slide rules. That's just how old I am. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but after getting uh, my manufacturing systems degree, I started advising on a number of uh, business decisions and realized guys with MBAs um, get to make the final call, and I decided I needed one. I uh, went to Stanford to get my business degree and have been uh, a, a, either a consultant in the transportation sector or a, uh, a move from being an engineer to a consultant or, or a manufacturing leader. So a lot of the brands down there I managed as the uh, general manager, um, Autolite and Bendix uh, for, for Honeywell uh, before uh, we sold those to private equity and I, re I, returned, to, um, I returned to consulting. Um, I like uh, focus on mobile security. I'm sure most of you guys know uh, the definition of, of uh, threat intelligence, evidence-based knowledge about existing or emerging threats, um, and providing timely, accurate information to, to drive decisions around it. Um, I focus a lot on mobile security um, and cloud systems, and, and uh, you don't need me to tell you just how fast phones are growing, how fast data is growing, um, and just how significantly that's changing uh, the number of threat vectors that, that are facing some of the people that we're working with. So now, uh, when I first started, uh, I was given a phone and a laptop. Um, now we have pretty diverse environments. Um, we have clients who um, ha will have a laptop, will have a mobile device, uh, might have uh, a personal protective device that's um, filming what they're doing, tracking where they're going. Um, they may be bringing in a uh, a, a smart watch into their environment. Um, one of the things that, that I was just talking to a colleague about is um, 
uh, it was just saying, hey, can you give me a great story about um, you know, what the students should think about? And he said, well, you know, um, you know one of the things that, that we should concer be concerned about is like an Amazon, an Alexa speaker. This is a pretty senior um, security advisor. Um, you know, an Alexa, Alexa speaker in the home can record a lot of your conversations and be a, a privacy threat. But of course, that would never be an issue in one of my facilities uh, because the network would immediately kick them out. I said, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but doesn't the Google cell phone actually work as a smart speaker too? Yes. Crap. Hold on. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. Uh, because there are just so many different things that, that and there's so many different ways these things um, are, are, so many new devices uh, that are creating so many new threats. Uh, it's creating, uh, creating a lot of problems. Um, given that I am a, a boy from Detroit, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on, I spend a lot of time in the transportation sector, is worrying about cars. Cars used to not be a significant threat because the driver was the driver. Um, but, um, and as long as you weren't affecting the driver, um, you didn't have, have any uh, security issues. But increasingly, we do have a more significant problem. As you know, the number one and fastest growing um, uh, 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 form of terrorism is a driver using a car or another device to, to hurt people. Um, but what happens when you don't have to affect that driver? What happens when you can hack that vehicle in and of itself? And, and one of the challenges that we are looking at and a lot of automotive companies are looking at is cars, for example, like this vehicle, spends um, all evening in a garage. Um, and then it spends, you know, someone who drives it to work and they spend all day um, with that car in a parking garage. And then it goes back again. Your average vehicle spends 94 to 95% of its time sitting idle in either one of those two places. Um, but as you know, we're working on technology uh, for autonomous vehicles, which a lot of people think will deploy very slowly um, and maybe a long way off. But um, if you think about the economics of, of the automotive industry, um, your average person drives a vehicle about 12,000 miles a year. Um, and that's 12,000 miles when it's not used 95% of the time. But as soon as that vehicle can drive itself somewhere, that means now that vehicle can leave one of these two places and go somewhere else. And if it does one or two extra trips in a day, now suddenly your average vehicle goes from 12,000 uh, to say 20, 30, 40,000 miles a year. Um, and as soon as you start doing that, you completely change the economics of the automotive industry. An electric vehicle, which has a 75,000-mile uh, payback, um, takes a long, long time for that technology to be worthwhile. As soon as that vehicle is driving 50,000 miles, an electric vehicle can pay for itself in a year and a half. Um, and an autonomous vehicle um, is paying for itself in a year and a half. And pretty soon, we may actually not be in a place where vehicles are slowly um, autonomous vehicles are slowly taking over the world, um, they may actually immediately, upon viability, um, make all prior technology obsolete, at which point now uh, we have a significant cyber issue. Um, so as we're starting to deploy these vehicles, we're not just thinking about how we make autonomy work, we're worried a lot about making sure nobody can hack a vehicle. One of the things I thought was really exciting about um, you know, in Parrot, one of the first companies to put the uh, um, toy drones out, 
um, as soon as they launched their, their consumer drone, within two days somebody had launched a video of a mid-air hack of another drone hacking their drone and flying away with, with their prototype. Um, and we really absolutely do not want to see that in, in an autonomous vehicle. It would be disastrous for an automaker's brand. Um, so, you know, this is where I was talking through, you know, as soon as you have self-driving technology, you, you start moving to a world where those vehicles are shared, electric, um, uh, and the thing that's really interesting about electric vehicles is once you start increasing the demand for electric vehicles, you start increasing the demand for electric charging stations. And as soon as you have a lot of electric charging stations, now nobody worries about the range of an electric vehicle anymore. Um, and that's a virtuous loop, and, and um, according to some studies, like the one from my alma mater, Stanford, you know, that starts to take over, over the world. And so we spend a lot of time working about, worrying about mobile security, um, even in the automotive industry, um, let alone some of the others. And so as we start thinking through all of those different vectors, um, I started talking through um, the, the challenges around not just the phones and the, and the, and the mobile data associated with those phones, uh, but the, the, the vehicles are capturing a lot of um, information on, on your call history, on your location, um, about, about the owners. There's very significant privacy issues. Um, one of the things I worry about a lot, and I think people don't think about, is their, their digital exhaust um, and all of the information that can be captured and deployed um, associated with just being able to hack your vehicle. The way we approach it is starting to look at things like um, um, we've got a, a framework for walking through this. And when we start thinking through um, threats, um, we start with um, different actors. You know, as you start thinking through use cases and solutions, you start with the actors. And many of those actors being, of course, nation states, competitors to, to uh, companies, criminals, terrorists, activists, insiders. Um, we start thinking through what their process is um, for engaging, um, walking through their planning, how they choose targets, um, surveillance and re reconnaissance, um, um, pairing of weapons and tar tar um, targeting. Um, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting when you think through target selection, um, it's comparable to my putting up a sign um, in, in front of my yard saying I have, I have a security system. I'm the only person on my block with a, a security camera. Um, it means that, it doesn't mean that's hard to get around my security camera. It just means if you're choosing between my house and my neighbor's house, the house you're going to attack, you know, you would, you would go into is certainly my neighbor's before mine. Um, it's why you should be really careful if you ever break your leg. If you're walking down the street and the criminal's thinking about, you know, who he's going to rob, um, the guy who can run away and the guy who's got a cast on his leg, you're way more vulnerable. You're suddenly the slowest zebra um, in a world full of lions. Um, and that's the way we start to think about, about some of these actors as well. Um, we think through how they put the camp campaign together. Um, and then, um, and, and what some of the motives are is as we start thinking those things through, it helps us better prepare our clients as they think through how they will um, uh, prepare for an attack. And I want to walk you through a video as, as I transition to um, culture, because I, I don't want to pretend that I'm, I'm more technical than anybody in this room, but I do want to talk a little bit about, about um, how culture and cybersecurity interact, because you can have the best technology and you can have the best systems, uh, but those systems are very likely to be defeated um, if, you're, if you're not driving the right culture within your organization. And so I think this video does a really good job of, of highlighting uh, a number of those areas where um, a company with great systems, 
um, still uh, ends up being terribly um, vulnerable uh, to a uh, 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 based on the, the the number of people and and the behavior of its people. So let's see if this will work for us one more time. In here. The internet has opened up a world of opportunities for businesses like ours. Businesses at the cutting edge of technology. We know the world's most high-profile companies inside out. Companies like yours. Who are we? Your worst nightmare. Attacks on businesses worldwide. Criminals have launched yet another malicious attack on what well, I think he's here. I've got nothing to say. Do you think your position is sustainable, sir? I've got no comment to make. Do you think your shareholders are going to make it this? Sir? I said we don't know the full extent of the intrusion. How long will you be offline? Do you have systems in place to stop this from happening? Our security protocols have been breached by what I can only describe as a highly sophisticated cyber attack. We can't take all the credit. We had a little help from Jim. Oh, hello. One of your managers. Uh, yeah, 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 yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. Jim kindly loaded our key logger into his PC. catching up on some emails, giving us direct access to his mailbox and password. Jim's giving us a lot of information. Access to business contacts, emails from work colleagues. Jim's the outgoing type. Hello, Ali in IT. You look like a privileged Hello, user. Hello. Hi, yes, this is Ali. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Think I'm in there. Sally, for welcoming our custom malware into your system. We're looking forward to working closely alongside you over the next few months. There's no hurry. We have all the time in the world. After all, no one knows we're there. We shouldn't be able to reach the live environment from here. And I'll spare, spare you the rest of the video. I'll, I'll, I'll make it available. You can see it on our site. The point is not that um, Jim or Allie are, are perfect. Obviously, they're not. It's, n the, it's not that their processes are perfect or not. Obviously, they're not. It's that there is a Jim and Allie in every organization. There's probably a thousand of them. Um, it's that um, no matter how good um, your systems are, 
Um, culture is still culture. Um, one of the things that, that I used to reflect on is I went to um, college in the 80s. Um, at the beginning, at, 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 at the end, at the end of the 70s, um, we had we changed drinking laws in the country. You know, the drinking age went to 21, but college cultures were still built around around drinking, and those rules changed very slowly over the course of the 90s. So now the rules you have are very similar to the rules that happened in the mid 90s, but it took the college system a good 15 years to catch up. To with, with the law. And the same thing is culture. Culturally, we're not quite at the point yet for being able to embrace what people know in their heads and what they'll get with training. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Jim is still um, prone to being led to a, a, a USB stick by, by a pretty young girl in roller skates. And that's just going to be the way the culture works. Um, and his friends are still going to open attachments uh, from Jim. Um, and so the question is not so much, you know, how do we lock down systems? Um, how do we put all the technology in place? That only gets you only half of the way there. But when we talk through, you know, the leading technology experts and the leading cybersecurity experts and, and our most um, sophisticated clients, they've done all the training. They've implemented all the security systems. They're very sophisticated. Um, I mean, when you bring them in to talk to you, um, many of those guys, especially the, the, the new people they're bringing onto their teams, are pretty sophisticated. But the problem still remains, you know, how do you get a group of engineers in IT to implement systems in a way that, that, um, that, cha that changes with the culture, that brings the people along with you, that brings the least common denominator, the weakest link in the chain along with you, so that when this happens, um, you're not exposed. One of the things that I kind of got a kick out of when we, we started here is uh, they said, well, this video, why don't you just put the video on a thumb drive? Um, Deloitte systems don't have this particular vulnerability uh, because uh, my, my USB ports are locked down. It's impossible for me uh, to put a thumb drive in my system without that system, um, without that system immediately encrypting the thumb drive. It will not put anything on it unless it's encrypted. Um, so that my ability um, to, to bring that into the system is very, very difficult. I'm not saying there's not a way around it. I'm saying this particular um, solution um, would not work at Deloitte because um, you know, our systems have, have Jim uh, in mind. Um, and we spend a lot on culture and training. Um, a lot of videos, uh, we, we've got a, a, a guy called um, That Guy, um, where they, they continuously run videos of, of people like Jim, um, like Allie, doing things that normal people do, um, but running through scenarios. You know, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that takes the thumb drive. Don't be the guy that puts the password you know, you know, writes his password down, puts it under his desk, which is the ending of the video where the security guys go in, they check under all the desks and pick up just a couple of passwords. Um, it's all those little things that people do um, that end up being the vulnerability that your technical team um, tends, to not, tends to not think about. So, um, you know, share, share a little bit of data, people versus technology, and, um, you know, kind of like to, to highlight, you know, where, where Jim's particular um, um, weakness was, um, how they were able to work, you know, that one particular uh, threat vector they were able to walk in through the system, and how that compares to some, you know, some data I'm sure a lot of you've seen on, on malware through email, phishing through email. Um, one of the things that, that, you know, as I was polling 
a number of our experts on, on some of the more common things that they're facing now um, is that um, fishing used to not be terribly sophisticated, um, but now they're able to design it. And that's the reason, the other reason I kind of like the video. It wasn't just a video with, you know, download this image. It was a video, it was an image from a trusted source on a topic that that person, that they knew that person would find interesting. Um, and so when you're, when you're kind of working your way with, through tailor-made um, phishing emails, um, as it happened to a couple of the, the, uh, the political parties in a very embarrassing way, um, those, those systems get um, increasingly refined around uh, the needs um, and the um, weaknesses of your people, um, and you're able to, to get around them. Um, actually, I think it's also worth mentioning, you know, I was talking about people. Um, just think through how many of these threat vectors are essentially social in nature um, and just kind of people around people and people's weaknesses around people. Um, it really continues to be the weakness. Um, so, so as we start, start thinking through a program, um, you know, one of the things that we do is spend a lot of time just thinking through just people. Um, is getting groups of people in a room and talking through our current state, where our current weaknesses, um, walking through with um, the le their leadership teams and, 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 their, and, and their people um, solutions, planning, um, planning around um, their current processes um, and how we're changing their processes. Of course, technology, um, which is that second row, um, but imp most importantly, um, just walking through, um, walking through um, you know, the issues around the people how we're going to um, plan around them, how we'll train them, um, how we'll disseminate information through them. That's actually always um, the most important part of, of the program we're putting together. Uh, one of the other things I, I, th I thought was going to be, would be interesting as I talk through uh, the challenges around, um, uh, around people in particular is um, uh, the, the pace of change is, is, is accelerating, as you know. Um, not just, you know, there's a lot of new technology that you know, um, but also the um, time you have to respond to a new threat um, is also uh, diminishing. Um, the, the attackers are getting to be much faster. Um, the time it takes to discover is actually a, a threat is increasing um, and the time uh, that you have um, to, to um, uh, handle a breach um, is, is, is diminishing as well. And so one of the things that we're starting to see um, is uh, what we've done in product development um, and, and technology development around agile frameworks um, is, is very appropriate in the cyber threat space as well. It's, you know, we're moving past the period of being able to um, go through a traditional development process where you define all of the requirements of the system, you do all of the development, um, and then you test it all, and then you launch it. It's a very structured way of developing things, um, but it doesn't really work well in, in the speed at which um, we need to deploy problems. And so we go through with uh, a, a uh, define, what is very simply a define, develop, test, and release, and then rede redevelop um, scenario. So we're constantly working through that circle, where instead of worrying about um, you know, having an outstanding version 1.0 of a piece of software, we worry about getting to version 7.0 very quickly. Um, like to relay um, agile development to uh, something I used to have with two employees. I, had, I was leading a, a strategy team once, and I had um, uh, two employees 
um, just call him Steve and Carol. And Steve was brilliant. Um, Steve came from one of the top business schools in the country. Um, whenever I gave Steve a problem, you know, Steve would come back to me in about a week with a fantastic solution. Carol, on the other hand, um, was just learning the job. She had transferred in from another department. And whenever I gave her a problem, she'd come back to me in a day with a terrible solution. And I'd tell her what I didn't like about it. And she'd come back to me, you know, the next day was something that was a little bit better that addressed my, you know, my, my concerns. Um, by the end of the week, Carol was on version 5.0 of her plan. Um, and, and because she started in such a wacky place, she actually would have some you know, things that weren't um, traditional in her approach. By the time she got to the end of the week, she had ended up with version 5.0 of something that was significantly better than anything Steve could have come up with um, in, his, uh, in version 1.0 of his planning. And that's really the value of agile development. It allows you to put something out there, understand how people are going to engage with it, um, figure out, ah, I can see now why somebody would do that, change it, and keep, keep changing it, um, and then you, by the time you get to version five or six of, of, of what you're doing, you've done something that's pretty fantastic. Um, it works in product development, allows you to stay ahead of your competitors, um, but it also allows you to stay ahead of um, cyber threats as well. And make sure that you're incorporating how people engage with the technology that you're developing um, in a way that, that's, that's um, um, pretty thoughtful. Um, there's a couple of other um, philosophies that we uh, deploy as we're putting things together. Not just um, Agile, as you can see, um, kind of that overall cycle, but also um, a, uh, uh, what we call like a V model, which is pretty traditional in the automotive industry, where you start with very high-level requirements and break that down into, into sub-processes. A lot of times they'll call it kind of micro-processes um, that allow you to take advantage of very standard um, solutions. Um, and, and also give them to individual teams that can focus on deploying very, very quickly. Um, and so you break a, a very large problem down into all of its pieces, break that up to a number of different people, and then get them all back together again as you start um, assembling the components and the subsystems and the overall systems into the overall solution. It allows for a very rapid um, development of, of, of a problem. And as, as you find little problems along the way, it allows you to kind of very target, well, what system's wrong, what subsystem's wrong, what, what microprocess do I want to change? But it also allows you to take advantage of best of breed um, applications as, as, as you move along. And so we'll, we'll work both, both that um, product, pro, um, we'll work um, from, you know, with a, that V model and the agile development process to, to move very quickly and again incorporate, um, uh, incorporate you know, the feedback of people along the way. Um, just going to uh, end with um, uh, this, uh, a couple, of, a couple of, of thoughts around security, um, vi vigilance and, and resilience. A lot of times we're thinking about security and protecting against security, um, but, but um, penetrations are going to happen. Um, and being really great, um, this is actually also why agility is so important. Um, having an organization that can respond very quickly and very honestly about a problem um, and act on it very, 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 very quickly is important. Um, a lot of companies are getting in trouble now with um, having to explain why they took three or four days uh, to tell everyone that they had a breach. 
um, as opposed to um, having a process that says, you know, we escalate really quickly, this is how we handle a problem, this is how we communicate a problem, because that's really important. It's really, you know, that time between when you know um, there's a threat in the building and you've done something about it, when all the danger happens and, and, and all things. And, and, and being thoughtful is what we do as engineers. Um, but being quick is what people expect of us, you know, when we're, we're um, charged with uh, protecting their security. So that is uh, my, my, my. <laughs>